Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. How enraptured I am to see you grace the threshold of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have a curious item. This is an item that came to our shop late in 2023, and I'm just now getting a chance to put it out on the showroom floor. If you take a look over here, these are vintage blueprints, circa the early 60s, from a time when the Cold War was escalating, and the fear of nuclear war seemed imminent. It was not uncommon for those with the means to create a bomb shelter as a way of surviving and, dare I say, escaping the figurative and literal fallout of an apocalypse. And it was this dread and fear that caused an all-too-real horror for those waiting for the doomsday clock to strike midnight. And, of course, it is an item like this that reminds me of a movie that came out recently on Netflix. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the recent Netflix film, Leave the World Behind. So Leave the World Behind was a movie that came out, well, actually it had a brief run in theaters. I believe they released it for a limited run in theaters on November 22nd, and then it released to streaming on Netflix on December 8th. 8th. And it was a movie that I really didn't know much about beforehand. It just kind of came on the scene. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm hearing a little buzz about this movie. Uh, Netflix certainly put uh, some money into advertising it. I thought, you know, the cast looks really solid. Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, all fantastic actors that uh, that I love watching their movies. So it, it was a movie that I wanted to watch. Even my wife wanted to watch it. I just didn't know much about it. So I kind of put it off and we put it off. And then I start to hear more and more about this as kind of a, an apocalyptic movie. I didn't know if it, it didn't really seem like it leaned into horror. And that's why I'm doing this bonus episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Because after watching it, yeah, it doesn't lean into the traditional types of horror that we're used to and that we usually talk about on this show. And while this isn't necessarily a horror movie, maybe it leans more into thriller. It does dive into that psychological horror and apocalyptic horror that I think still bears talking about in a horror context, in a horror film context. And ultimately, there were so many elements of this movie that caused such anxiety and dread that, I mean, they did it better than any traditional horror movie, in my mind. So I, I can't not talk about this movie on this podcast. And even though this isn't, like I said, what you would consider a traditional horror movie, it does lean into some elements of horror, psychological, apocalyptic. There's no blood and guts or anything like that, but not all horror has to follow that criteria. And I'm going to forgo doing a 
spoiler-free section because uh, even in the spoiler section, I'm not going to talk too much about what happens in the movie. I mean, there will be spoilers, uh, but I want to talk about the the tone and the atmosphere of this movie more than anything. What really makes this movie lean into what I would be considering a, a particular type of horror. We're going to talk about some of the comparisons between this and the book. Of course, this movie is based on the book of the same name from author Ruman Allah. And while I haven't read the book, I have read about the book, kind of the crib notes version. And I know enough about some of the differences to kind of talk about that and how, you know, it, it may change the perspective of the story a little bit. But I think for the most part, this movie stayed true, even in things where they deviated from the book, stayed true to the heart of the book. I know I've heard a lot of people talking about that and referring to that as well. And I would have to agree just what little I know about the book. And until I read it, which it is on my my list this year of books to read. But, uh, but we're going to get right into it. If you haven't watched Leave the World Behind, it really is a, an interesting movie. I'm not going to say it's a great movie. It's not certainly not a perfect movie. There are some leaps in logic and some plot holes, but that's okay. Sometimes you have to allow yourself a little bit of suspension of disbelief, especially when you have a, a movie that builds such tension and has so many great elements combining to create a tense and anxiety-ridden movie that keeps you on the edge of your seat. You've got great performances from some really good actors, and you've got some, some effects that I thought were pretty damn good. And again, we'll talk about all of this in the spoiler section, but... Give this movie a chance. Uh, in spite of what you heard, this is a movie that I think is doing well in critic scores, uh, but not doing so well in audience scores. And I think that is probably part and parcel because I think the ending left some audience members kind of scratching their head. And it very much is an open-ended ending. And you have to be willing to understand why it is done that way and and why the story is told in the way it is and again we'll get into the details and the nuts and bolts of that in the spoiler section but to give this movie a chance if you haven't watched leave the world behind definitely worth a watch it really is an interesting movie and it's shot very well even in the shooting of this movie the cinematography and the lighting and everything the camera angles Everything serves the purpose of building tension in this movie and creating an atmosphere and building that anxiety that just has you with this sense of dread the whole movie long. So go check it out for yourself and then come back and see if my thoughts jibe with what you're thinking about this movie. Uh, maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't, but I certainly liked it and I encourage you to check it out. But we're going to get into some spoiler territory, so if you haven't watched it, go check it out. Come back. If you don't care, We'll keep moving on. If you have watched it, uh, we'll talk about this movie and see if you know we're on the same page, on the same wavelength with this. But from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. So the basic gist of this movie, you have this couple and their two kids, Amanda and Clay, their, their two children, Rose and Archie. They're renting this house on Long Island to, to spend a quiet weekend away from everybody. And in the middle of the night, the ower of the house... Uh, G.H., played by Mahershala Ali, 
and his in the movie it's his daughter Ruth in the book it is his wife Ruth but uh, in the movie they went with his daughter played by my Holly Harold and I I thought she looked familiar and then I realized that she was in one of the episodes of Black Mirror, the Lock Henry episode of Black Mirror, which I, I enjoyed immensely. And I thought she did a really good job in that. But uh, she's a young actress that I, I really enjoyed seeing her in Black Mirror, really enjoyed seeing her in Leave the World Behind, and, and really... I can't wait to see more of her. She's done a few films uh, over the, the past few years. Uh, she's done some TV. Uh, but there again, like looking forward to seeing more out of her because I thought she did a, a really good job with the Ruth character. And it almost makes me glad they changed it to GH's daughter to give her the opportunity for this role. But, uh, but they come and talking about a blackout and how they need to stay at this home. I think that's one of the things that is really interesting about this movie because the way it starts out, it's not like this big event happens and we're plunged right into knowing that we're in the apocalypse. They do a good job storytelling-wise uh, from, from a novel aspect, I think, and from a screenwriting aspect of slowly giving you bits of information that you are, I mean, you know something's wrong, but you're getting more bits of information. You're slowly realizing before the characters on the screen realize that shit's going down. And it, it really dives into that idea that we don't want to imagine that the worst is happening that that bit of denial that oh no no this isn't happening it, it can't be this it's it's got there's got to be a logical explanation and there's got to be a reason this is happening and it certainly couldn't be anything horrific and and i enjoyed that aspect of it i thought uh, that that slow burn of realization that they are in trouble is one of the things that added to the dread of this movie. And I think these characters really uh, were interesting. I, I don't know how the characters in the movie compared to the characters in the book. I, I have to imagine there has to be some bit of, of correlation, but uh, Julia Roberts as Amanda, she is, I mean, she's probably one of the biggest skeptics of everything. Uh, she's very untrusting of people. She's untrusting of GH as he comes back, doesn't want him staying in his own property. Uh, they, they play into the idea that she might have a little bit of racism inside of her being that in the at least in the movie i'm not sure how it is in the book but at least in the movie uh you know gh and ruth are uh two black people uh it was interesting i i liked how they didn't make it all about that but they definitely made that a a point that you know, that she may be a little bit racist, and that's why she doesn't want them to be there. It turns out I don't think she is. I don't think the character is. Uh, I, I think it is that she just doesn't like people. She doesn't trust people in the world that we live in. People, humanity has given her every reason to not trust humanity. <laughs> but I like how they hold that mirror up 
to the racism question from both sides. I like Ethan Hawke's character, Clay, because he is kind of like the modern man. And again, another thing where it holds a mirror up to society. He's just kind of happy-go-lucky going with the flow and realizes way too late when it's all said and done and his, his son, there's something wrong with his son and they're going to Kevin Bacon's character, Danny, to try and get medicine for his son. Uh, realizing that he is lost without his computer, without his internet, without his cell phone to, to be able to look things up and to be able to tell him what to do. And, and that idea that he is useless now that all of that is gone. And it was kind of a very sobering character because it, it, like I said, holds a mirror up to society, holds a mirror up to each other saying, you know, if, shit went down and things got bad do i have the skills to to be able to survive without my tech to be able to survive without asking google how to do something uh, I, I mean me for me personally uh there are a lot of things you know i grew up in the country i grew up i was on a boy scout and you know i know how to make a fire and make structures and, and I, I think i know enough that i would be okay but then i'm like there are there are certain things that Maybe I don't know. Maybe I should be learning how to do more things than I actually know. And and that was a really interesting character to drive a, a particular message home that I think this movie is trying to make. I like Mahershala Ali as the character GH, uh, a very strong character, a character that uh, knew more than he was letting on about how he, he knew that something bad was going to happen, but he's a strong character and kind of a man of action type of character without being an action star type character. Uh, you know, he's maybe doesn't always have the answer, but he's always thinking, always trying to plan, okay, if we do this, uh, then then we can get this. And But there is that, that, that interesting uh, wrinkle in this movie about the race issue and that he and his daughter, they don't know if they can trust these white people because of the history uh, of that sort of thing. There's an interesting thing I read. I'm reading a, a book of short stories from Tanana Reeve Dew, Ghost Summer Stories, and there's a section of the book that is all apocalyptic type stories, and there's a zombie apocalypse story in that. And the main character is talking about how in times like this, everybody buries their racism under the surface, underground, because we have to get along to to get by. But sooner or later, that always comes to the surface. That's always going to come to the surface if it's there. And it made me think about that uh, during this movie as I'm watching it and the concerns of, of GH and Ruth when they're having that, that moment uh, where they're about to go to bed and Ruth is trying to, to tell him that they can't trust these people because they're white. And and there's almost like a, a bigotry on both sides. That, that was an interesting theme to talk about. And then, of course, my Hala as Ruth, I, I thought she had a really interesting character to, to dive into because, yeah, like I said, there is that distrust of, of white people. There's a distrust of her uh, and that character, Amanda, played by Julia Roberts, they some of the scenes where they're sniping back and forth, uh, it really was kind of fun to watch. At, from an acting standpoint, you have this uh, veteran Julia Roberts, and you have Myhala Harold, who is a, a young actress, and kind of holding her own with Julia Roberts and, and the two 
characters going back and forth, neither one seemingly liking the other, but they're thrust into the situation where they have to get along. And of course, Kevin Bacon is Danny, the uh, construction worker that uh, GH has used at his place. So they know each other, but he's kind of that doomsday prepper always having a stockpile of stuff and he's not going to give anything away because he needs to take care of his own. But GH thinks, well, they know each other. They're friends. Of course, he's going to help them out. And 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 the way that whole scene played out was was very interesting. And, and, and from a character standpoint, I, I loved this movie in that it had interesting characters and the relationships between those characters and the interaction between those characters were, were very compelling. And like I said, very much played into a lot of social themes. But I think beyond that, this movie really was a masterclass in how to build tension and how to build dread. Because throughout this whole movie, you've got these actors and you got a story that maybe on the surface doesn't even seem that interesting of a story from an apocalypse standpoint. And there's no zombies running around. There's nobody dying. There's no, you know, explosions outside of a couple moments. But you have all these weird things happening. The ship running aground. The airplane. Yeah, When GH goes to a neighbor's house and on the beach he finds a airplane that had crashed and everything washed up on the shore and then another airplane is coming in and crashes that was jarring to watch and the effects i thought were really good on that but you have moments like that you have the building of tension through what's going on the screen but i think the use of camera angles in this movie was just amazing to watch every scene or almost every scene had this bizarre camera angle or a bizarre camera movement that always kept you ill at ease throughout this movie. And I I, I thought the cinematography on this movie just knocked it out of the park. Ted Campbell is the cinematographer on this. And between him and Matt Quaid, who did the music, The music, I think, as much as the camera angles, helped build dread in this movie. And and not in a way that, okay, the music is giving me cues on how to feel. But just they had some scenes where something's going on here with these characters. And something is going on here with these characters. And the, the... music is playing and it's just this droning on and on of this this beat and this melody and it just keeps driving the tension of what the scene is is doing higher and higher and you're expecting it to release in a crescendo of something horrible is going to happen and then nothing horrible happens and and you don't have that release that you're expecting I mean, you're relieved that the scene is over in a good way, but you don't have that, oh, this built to this and that happened. Ah, poor whoever. Uh, You didn't get that. So it really felt like you're building up this anxious feeling inside of you and then the scene ends, nothing happens, and you're left with that anxiousness that just spills over into the next scene that builds up with the tension and builds up with the anxiety. Uh, It really was, from a direction, from a cinematography, from a musical standpoint, uh, as far as the score goes, this movie was a, a home run all the way around in building tension and dread. And I think that's where you have to consider this a 
a particular type of horror, whether you want to call it psychological horror, whether you want to call it apocalyptic horror, it really did leave you feeling like the world was going to end. And that feeling didn't come from the script. It didn't come from the actors. It came just from, like I said, the direction, the editing, the cinematography, and the music. Now, the things that happened on the screen, what the actors did and the story, uh, that's just added to it. And, and I really dug, you know, much like the beginning of the movie where you're just getting little pieces here and there of things that you're, information that you're privy to that leads you to believe that something bad is going on. This, this cyber attack that has shut down communication in the U.S. and then the breakdown from there. Uh after that, you get a lot of really weird occurrences with the microwave weapon. Or at least it's presumed it's a microwave weapon. I mean, Kevin Bacon talks about that. Uh, you have the Archie character losing his teeth because of the microwave radiation. How it was just him and nobody else, I don't know. There again, a little leap in logic, a little bit of a plot hole, but nothing that you can't get past in this movie, at least for my money, you you can get past it. Uh, the one thing I thought was really weird was the thing with the animals. I mean, they established early that there is something, and it would probably be this microwave weapon, uh, but something is messing with the migration patterns of, of animals and birds and whatnot. Uh, there are some things that happen with like herds of deer just showing up in... In the book, it looks, or in the movie, it looks like dozens, maybe a hundred or so. In the in the story, it's more like a thousand uh, deer showing up. And then there's the whole notion that the deer or the animals are trying to tell them something. I, I think that might be something that's probably better explored in the book if it is even a part of the book, which, from what I understand, it is. It didn't really come across as well in the movie, but I'm sure, like I said, maybe the book is a little better. But the one thing that I found interesting about the book was the fact that the author, Ruman Alam, uh, decided to be like explicitly vague about the nature of this terrorist attack on the United States. I think they go into a little more supposition in the movie than they actually do in the book because uh, uh, there was an interesting story about how I can't remember if it was the publisher or the editor was asking Alam you know about being so vague and the editor I believe it was the editor thought it was aliens and not necessarily a terrorist attack and Alam was like aliens but but I think that's one of the things he he wanted to do with this book and was glad that it came across that way is that each person can take whatever they want into, you know, you take whatever baggage you have into this story and you're going to come out with that same baggage. And if you're hell-bent on it being aliens, you're going to think it's aliens in this. If you're hell-bent on it's the whoever, this foreign country or that terrorist group, uh, you're going to think it's that coming out of reading this, this story. And I, sometimes I like there being a definitive bad guy. But in this instance, I like that it doesn't really tell you who did this or why they did this. Just that this is happening and you can read the context clues or you can take out of this whatever whatever you want as a story. And that, that makes me want to read this book all the more. <laughs> makes me upset that I hadn't read this book yet. But I do like in this movie that they 
do give a little more context. It's still fairly vague as to who is doing what and why, but they give you some conspiracy theories to chew on while you're watching this movie. Another big deviation from the book to the movie that is the uh, Clay and Amanda's daughter, Rose. In the in the movie, I don't think it's I don't think she has this in the book, or at least nothing that I've seen references this, but in the movie, she has a fascination, like so many Gen Zs and young millennials have a fascination. She has a fascination with the TV series Friends. And at the beginning of the movie, she is watching the the series finale. She's made her way all the through, all the way through the the Friends seasons, and she's on the series finale. And they lose power before she finishes the episode. She's a, so her her main concern throughout all of this is whether Ross and Rachel uh, ended up together, and that is like her primary focus is just being able to finish this episode. And in the movie, she makes her way to a next door neighbor's house, who it turns out they have a bomb shelter that is full of supplies and she finds that they've got a stockpile of dvds including friends so she ends the movie watching that final episode of friends in the book it's a little different she does make her way to the neighbor's house i don't think there's a bomb shelter but she finds a stockpile of food and brings it home to her family and G.H. and Ruth. And I don't know how I feel about the inclusion of the whole Friends gag. Uh, and, and I don't know how I feel about the ending of the movie because they end this movie with her pressing play on that final episode and the Rembrandt's uh, I'll Be There For You kicks in <laughs> and cut to credits. And that is how the movie ends. And it's very open-ended. And I... Part of me loves it. Part of me is like, oh, come on, seriously? <laughs> but uh, I think my wife and I both enjoyed it well enough. Uh, I know my wife was like, that's it? That's how they're going to end it? But then we talked about it afterwards, and I think we were both pretty good with, with how it ended because it definitely, this movie wasn't about whether they survived or not. This movie, I, I don't know what the, I don't want to say I don't know what the point of this movie was. Uh, I don't know exactly. I mean, this movie was saying a lot of things. Like I said, there was the racial tension early in the movie that they played into. There was a lot of commentary on society. You know, they're on this beach and all this crap and trash is washed up onto the beach. And a commentary on us as humanity being good stewards of the, the planet that God has given us. And we don't do a good job at that. There's commentary on social media. There's commentary on the younger generations versus the older generations. There's a lot of things to glean from this. But as far as an overarching theme, I, I don't know what that is other than the fact that we are woefully unprepared as a society for the inevitability of some sort of attack on communication in the United States. And we are so dependent on our computers and on our phones and on our internet and on our cell service that if something were to happen, uh, we would be up shit creek without a paddle for the most part. And maybe it is the idea that these next door neighbors that were prepared, they're going to be able to find out what happens to Ross and Rachel because they have been prepared enough to be able to, to watch 
the final season of Friends. I don't know. Uh, and and Rose finding it means hope for the future. Uh, they'll probably get irradiated by microwave weapons, but uh, at least for now, they've got a stockpile of food and a place to, to stay safe where they can lock themselves in and watch old Friends reruns. But like I said, uh, ultimately, uh, a really good movie. And it really did, you know, it didn't feel, like I said, like a traditional horror movie, but I felt more dread and more anxiety watching this than I have in a lot of movies in not horror movies in 2023, horror movies in the past, I don't know how many years. Uh, this probably had more dread than, than a lot of horror movies I watch. And to me, that at least puts you in some level of horror. Uh, it, like I said, may not be the traditional horror movie, but this definitely does lean into a psychological and an apocalyptic horror that definitely needs to be in the conversation of horror. I know there are some people that sit there and say, well, it's not horror if it's not this, this, or this. And for my money, you shouldn't be so nearsighted when it comes to horror. I mean, there's a lot of movies out there that are horror movies that aren't monsters, that aren't serial killers, aren't slashers. They're not blood and guts. They're not specters and ghosts and supernatural. Uh, there's a, a level of real life horror. You know, a lot of horror these days that everybody clamors over. Everybody loves the Scream movies, but the Scream bad guy, the ghost face, is just a guy in a, or a teenager in a mask tripping over shit. If you want realism, in your horror, then certainly the threat of a terrorist attack and an apocalypse that we are woefully unprepared for, uh, to me, that's horrific. To me, that's a horror story. But I think that's why some people, some audience members, don't dig this because it's it leans into horror, but it's not a horror movie, at least for their money. It's not horror. Uh, the ending with it just ending with the Friends theme probably was not satisfying for a lot of people, but I mean... What did you want to see? Where? How far did you want to see this go? Do you want to see this like that 80s made-for-TV movie, uh, The Day After, where everybody's just been irradiated by microwave weapons and they've lost all their hair and all their teeth and, and are dying from radiation poisoning? Uh, did, did you want it to go that far? Uh, did you want it to have a happy ending? Because, you know, at that point, with the gunfire and the explosions that they're seeing uh, across the water as they're standing on Long Island, Island, uh, you know, shit's not going to be good for a long time in this version of the United States and in this version of the world. You're not going to wrap that story up in two hours. So leaving it open-ended, leaving it with that almost false sense of security of this girl, you know, the world's going to hell around her, but she's okay because she's able to watch the season finale of Friends is a blanket that doesn't cover you the whole way. You pull it up around your shoulders and your feet are exposed. You put it down around your feet and your shoulders are exposed. And to me, that is a false sense of hope with grim consequences in the long run that you don't need to see play out. Uh, you know it's going to happen. You know it's there. And therein, tying into that dread and anxiety that you've felt this whole movie 
with that ending. But I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I thought the acting was top-notch. You had some top-notch veteran actors in Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, Myhala Harold, uh, a really up-and-coming young actress that, again, I can't wait to see more of. The, even the two other kids, Rose, played by Farrah McKenzie, I thought she did an okay job. Charlie Evans as Archie, I thought he did a, a good job. Kevin Bacon, as always, I mean, he just had a little part in this, but, uh, you know, he kind of played that. I, I know if you watch him on any of his videos on Instagram or whatever, you know, he's a farm boy. Uh, most literally lives on a farm and it's funny to watch him, you know, kick it around in the dirt and the mud. And, you know, he really looked like this survivalist type. Uh, I thought the special effects in this were pretty good. I told my wife the scene with all the deer, I don't know how many of those were real deer or how many of those were just CG. I mean, there were, you could see it was CG in some parts, but as far as the movement and the look of these CG deer, uh, some of the best CG animals I've seen in a really long time because I've watched a lot of movies and I've watched a lot of TV shows where they have CG animals and CG deer and whatnot. And they look okay when they're standing still, but as soon as they start to move, I'm like, oh, that's obviously CG. And I mean, these were some really sharp looking CG animals that I was... I was really impressed with uh, the plane and the boat. Uh, those scenes with the CG I thought was done really well. From a uh, visual standpoint, this was a stunning movie to watch. Like I said, the cinematography, the editing, the direction, the music all worked together in concert with an interesting story and top-notch acting to make a really compelling movie that to me, felt like, you know, it's not your typical apocalypse movie. And that's why I wish a lot more audience scores were, were a little higher. I know the critics uh, seem to be liking this movie, but the audiences don't seem to be on board. And I'm like, you, you got to expand your horizons. You can't just appreciate only the things that fit into the little comfort zone box of what you like. Uh, or, or what you expect. You got to manage your expectations. Uh, you can't sit there and say that all movies are the same. And then when somebody does something a little bit different, then, well, I don't like that because that's that's not that's not how an apocalypse movie should go. You got to get a reality check somewhere in there. And, and I think this movie uh, is deserving of that. If you haven't watched it, I encourage you to watch it. I, I probably spoiled a ton of stuff for you, but, but that's okay. I didn't give you all the play-by-play. -play. Uh, there's still a lot of this movie that you're going to watch and oh he didn't talk about that and that was by design because if you haven't watched this movie I want you to watch it because it, I think it is worth a watch is it the greatest movie of 2023 no it's not is it a pretty good movie in 2023 a really good movie in 2023 I I could buy that I'd buy that for a dollar as they said on Robocop and ultimately this movie makes me want really want to read the book leave the world behind by Rahman Ali I'm really excited because I think this is a really interesting story that I want to read it and I want to see how much of the movie followed the book and how much the movie deviated from the book I think it's pretty spot on uh, just from what I understand of the book, but I can't wait to read it to find out for myself. So check out Leave the World Behind if you haven't, if you have. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, if you didn't like it, give it another watch. 
because I think there is a lot to really like about this. There again, not a perfect movie. There is a you know a few leaps in logic here along the way, and story wise, there are some things that you know it, it could be a lot more exciting. It could be a lot more action packed. But the the amount of dread and anxiety that they got of a movie that wasn't terribly action packed was just a, a stunning feat to watch and experience. And I think, if anything, this movie is an experience. I encourage you, if you didn't like the movie, give it another shot. If you still don't like it, that's that's fine. You know, we, we both don't have to like the same movies. But if you liked it as much as I did, uh, good on you. <laughs> and uh, at least, uh, you know, for anybody that didn't like it, at least you gave it a shot. Uh, I encourage everyone to at least do that and, and see what you think. Make up your own mind about whether you like this movie or not. But I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Leave the World Behind on this bonus episode of Ons Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, a movie I didn't think was going to be the kind of movie I would talk about on this show because I usually lean into more traditional horror fantasy and science fiction but this movie was so interesting and so good and while it didn't lean into traditional horror and didn't lean into traditional science fiction it had enough of it that I was like I I really need to talk about this because the movie is so good so uh, hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, I want to thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Check out more on our Instagram and Facebook page is always posting about horror, fantasy, and science fiction and what we've got going on with the podcast. No matter where you listen to this podcast, please like, subscribe, follow it. Uh, that way you stay on top of all these bonus episodes and anything extra we do, as well as the regular Monday and Thursday episodes. And as always, whatever you do, share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction and leave those reviews five stars will be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that so thanks for listening coming up on tomorrow's episode an episode i recorded before doing this episode and i recorded it before watching uh leave the world behind but uh tomorrow's episode we are going to take a look at the movies I missed out on in 2023. Uh, I finally got caught up and watched all the movies that came out in 2023, at least most of them, that I really wanted to watch but didn't get a chance to and get a, didn't get a chance to talk about them last year. We're going to talk about what I missed in 2023 and take a look at some of those movies that, uh, that just flew under my radar or for whatever reason I didn't get to watch them. But uh, we're going to talk about... Those movies and my thoughts on those that we didn't get to do a full episode on, we'll do that on tomorrow's episode. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.